Hello and welcome. This is where we recap each week's lesson of our women's Bible study class. This semester, we are in the book of Hebrews, and I am so glad you're with us. Let's get started. Okay, week one of our Bible study. Anytime I start a Bible study, the first week I always do two things. I set our our goals for the session, for our our semester, our term that we'll be together, and then we do an introduction of our book. So we're going to do those two things today. Um, First up, our goals. So of course, I want every student in this class to leave the term with better knowledge of the book that we're studying, to have a better grasp of, of basic Bible study skills. But really, the big goal here is to leave with a better knowledge of God, right? A better understanding of who God is and a closer relationship with Him. That's the whole point of any Bible study. There's this quote by little, the Little Prince author, um, Antoine de Saint-Exupéry, and he says, If you want to build a ship, don't drum up the men to gather wood, divide the work, and give orders. Instead, teach them to yearn for the vast and endless sea. And I think that quote really sums up here what the true goal of this Bible study class is. Our mission in this class, the end goal, is to yearn for the fellowship of walking closely with God, to know what David meant when he wrote in Psalms 27, One thing have I asked the Lord, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. And if we don't work towards that, if we busy our time with getting all of the academic knowledge or mastering one skill or a different skill, but we don't use it to better our understanding of Lord and to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, then it's all for naught. And we don't want to do that. So keep that in mind when maybe you're getting overwhelmed with the reading that we're going into. Hebrews is not an an easy book to grasp. It's going to take some mental muscle. Um, But it's doable. It's doable for the everyday person. It just, it might seem a little difficult one week or a different week. But if you get overwhelmed, I want you to take a step back and ignore the questions that are in your book and just think, what am I learning about God here? What beauty of his do I see in this passage? And if we keep that focus in mind, everything else will come in its time. Now, moving on, how this study is designed. This will be different than some of the other Bible study classes going on in the church. Um, Each week, we will have homework that I'm asking you to do. Don't groan about that, okay? Hebrews is 13 chapters, and we have 17 weeks to cover it this semester. So it's not going to be big chunks of text each week. But I do want you to tackle the text before you come to class. All right, the ideal scenario will be you reading the text several times before you hit the homework. Make your own observations and notes, then do the homework. You will wrestle with some of the homework, and that's okay. In fact, that's what it's been designed to do. Don't expect to have the perfect answer for every question. There are some big questions that Hebrews asks, and it's going to require you to spend some time thinking about it, and you may come to class 
not knowing the answer or not being confident in the answer that you've arrived at. And that's okay. That's what our class time is going to be about. So don't fear the unknown. Welcome it, embrace it, because that's where your growth is going to come from. Okay, so we will have homework. I encourage you to embrace the homework. Um, Secondly, don't use Google or commentaries or all the little notes in your study Bibles to help you out. Do, however, use the people in your class. Okay, if you come across something that you don't know, maybe maybe one of the questions is asking you about the roles of the Old Testament priests, and maybe you don't know that off the top of your head. It's okay to reach out. I encourage you, ask a classmate, hey, what do you know about that? Or ask me. Um, use the people in your class as a tool and build that community of Bible learners around yourself. That's what we're doing together. Thirdly, do feel free to focus on the comprehension of the text before you move on to the application of the text. If you finished reading a chapter and you think, I don't really know what I just read, don't move on in the homework section and begin answering the application type questions. Go back and spend more time looking at those observations and making sure you at least can give a brief summary of what the chapter was about. That's going to be more important than moving on to application. Um, Fourth up in how the study is designed is understanding the class time or the teaching time. Um, In that time each week where we're meeting on Wednesday nights, this is where we will share our observations or our thoughts about the text. And there will be teaching over over the passages and especially over the difficult passages that we come to. So be expecting to come to class um, to share about what it is that you've been studying each week, but also to have the difficult questions answered. Okay, and then lastly, over this section here, I want to talk about the role of this podcast. Um, I will recap each week's lesson here. So if you have to miss class because you you know, have a a sick kid at home, or perhaps you had to work, or you're serving in another part of the church, whatever the scenario is, um, this is the place you would come to to get that week's lesson in an audio format. Obviously, nothing really beats being in class in your body, you know, presently, but if you can't be there, this is definitely a next best case, um, and it keeps you up to date with the lesson. So you can, you know, listen to this in your car or on your walk, whatever, whatever fits best for you. But hopefully, it'll help you stay involved and keep you from falling behind. Because I know from experience, when I fall behind in Bible studies, there's a real temptation there to just say, "Okay, I'm done," and I, I definitely don't want that to happen. I want you to stay plugged in. You can also use this podcast as a way to review things that we did cover in class. So don't feel like if you went to class, you don't need to listen to the podcast. You probably will get a repeat of information if you do, but sometimes it is helpful to hear hear things twice. So feel free to do that if you want to as well. Okay. Now let's get into our introduction of the book of Hebrews. I always like to start out a study where we kind of take a super high view look at the book just to get a lay of the land, setting up these parameters of the basics of who wrote the book and when it was written and why it was written. Um, 
also kind of help us as we move forward in the text to put up some parameters of how to understand the, the, the text that we're reading. So first up, who wrote the book of Hebrews? If you have your study guide in front of you, we have a whole page dedicated to this where um, you can fill this in as you go. But when it comes to who wrote the book of Hebrews, the answer is super easy. We don't know. All right. We have no real solid proof of who the author of this book is. We have some clues about the kind of person that wrote this book, but we don't know the the exact identity. We know it was someone who was extremely well-versed in the Old Testament and in Jewish law. Hebrews contains at least 35 direct Old Testament quotes and even more references to the content of the Old Testament. You will see the author pulling from different Old Testament scriptures in a way that clearly shows that they not only have just knowledge of scripture, but they have an intimate familiarity with scripture. They have the ability to connect passages from the Old Testament to the person and the work of Jesus that that really can just blow your mind if you are not as familiar with those passages as the author. We know that the author was someone who knew Timothy. Um, Later, at the end of the book of Hebrews, he references our brother Timothy. So we know that it was someone involved in this work alongside Timothy. We know that the author knew his audience personally. He was not writing to strangers, but rather to a specific group of believers with whom he had relationship. Some say Paul wrote the letter. Others think maybe it was Apollos or Barnabas. Um, There are... A ton of theories out there. But honestly, even back to our earliest historical references to Hebrews dating back to the second century AD, the scholars back then were clear in this, that we do not know the author of this beautiful letter. So that's the answer there. Who wrote the book of Hebrews? We don't know. Who was the letter written to? Well, the answer there is we don't know. (laughs) From context clues from the book and also from early church historians, we think the audience is a group of Jewish believers probably living in or around Rome, but that is not specifically mentioned in the letter. We're just kind of reading in between the lines and thinking about why a person would write a letter like this, but honestly, we're that's just best educated guesses there. We do know from the letter, though, that the audience is being tempted to return to their old Jewish ways. So while we may not know the demographic makeup or the the racial background or anything along those lines, we do know that they're experiencing persecution. And because of this, they are experiencing temptation. They're wanting to go back to an easier way, a way that did not involve being persecuted for their faith. And this letter is written to encourage them on that path. Okay, next up, when was the letter written? Well, for the third time, we don't know. <laughs> um, but like its authorship and its audience, we have clues about the date of um, the date that this letter was written. So our biggest clue here 
is that it was written prior to the destruction of the temple. Okay, this this letter is so heavily laden with Jewish references to um, descriptions of the roles of priests, to the sacrifices, to the, the work that goes on in the temple, that we think those things are still happening at the time of the writing of this letter. And so the destruction of the temple is... It is is a marker in the history of the Jewish people, much like 9-11 is is a marker in American history. 70 AD saw the Roman Empire destroy the temple, and that left a huge mark on the Jewish people. It changed the world for the Jews, Um, and it's still something to this day that is mourned by Jewish people. So because this, this letter does not mention that destruction of the temple. We we feel confident that it was written prior to 70 AD, but also because it does talk about the persecution of believers, we think that it was written probably after 64 AD. And you may wonder, why would you think that? What's the what's the history going on there? 64 AD saw the city of Rome destroyed by a fire. And the Roman emperor at that time, his name was Nero, after the fire destroyed Rome, he needed someone to blame for that fire. And so like a good politician, right, he, uh, he found his, his, his group to blame and he began blaming Christians. This led to a rise in the persecution of Jesus followers. Um, Nero, if you look in history books, is infamous for the creative torturing methods he would devise for Christians at this time. It said that he would light the pathways along his garden pot, his garden parties with the burning bodies of Christians. You know, those were his torches. So Christian persecution was becoming a big thing starting in about 65 AD. That's why we think this letter was probably written in those few years when persecution was on the rise, but the temple destruction had not happened yet. So most scholars will date this letter between 65 AD, maybe 69 AD, somewhere in there. So let's move on now. Why was the book of Hebrews written? Well, like I said before, the the uh, the book is written to encourage the the believers at this time. Um, They are experiencing persecution. They are considering going back to the old ways. And so the author wants to encourage his uh, his fellow Christians to continue in the faith. So here's the thing. When we we think about this, we we have the temptation or the it's easy to think that maybe they're wanting to leave the faith. But that's not exactly it's not exactly what's going on there we think probably the more likely scenario is they're not wanting to um, to all of a sudden move into unbelief of who Christ was, but maybe to just hide that belief, maybe to just keep it quiet, but go back to the old ways of Judaism, ways that were familiar, ways that were comfortable, ways that were accepted by society and did not lead to persecution, um, ways that were th- you know, from their past. And that was something that they knew they could easily do so that life didn't have to be so difficult. So this letter is written as a way to encourage them and say, you know, the truth and the truth 
it will change your life and you're going to live differently because of that and that's okay. So as we read this letter, you're going to see this author talk about the work of Christ and its all sufficiency, how it it covers everything. And you're going to see the author encourage his audience to not exchange the beauty and the truth of the gospel for a life that is no different than the lives of the people surrounding them. The book of Hebrews, when it comes to what kind of writing it is or what type of writing it is, is typically categorized as one of the general epistles. It definitely ends like a letter. It has final instructions, messages to pass on to and from other people. Um, However, the beginning of Hebrews does not feel like a letter. In fact, it feels more like a sermon. The way the author just launches right in with verse 1 with the meat of his message. Um, And then as you read through it, it continues to feel like a sermon as you read it. And in fact, to just sit down and read the letter, to read the letter, I'm sorry, all the way through beginning to end takes about 40 minutes, which historically speaking is about the length of your average sermon. So we do categorize it as a letter, but it does have a few odd characteristics about it. So typically people put a little asterisk there because there are some some differences there that are unique to Hebrews. Now, is there anything else unique to the letter? Um, you know, we, we've already talked a lot about how it's so heavenly, heavily uh, laden with Jewish references and Old Testament quotes and things like that. One of the things that um, is important to know as you go through Hebrews is it quotes from Psalms quite a bit. So any familiarity you have with the Psalms will help you as you read this, uh, specifically Psalms 110. So in your study book for the um, for today's lesson or this week's lesson, we have a copy of Psalm 110 for you. Get familiar with Psalm 110. Read it each week as you do your homework or just as you have a spare moment. See how much of it you can put to memory. You know, that would be a good challenge because what you're going to find is as you go through the book of Hebrews, sometimes the author will quote it directly and other times you will see the meaning of that psalm and how it has formed the way the author has thought about the person and the work of Jesus. So I have included Psalm 110 for you in this week's section of our study guide. One of the the biggest questions that Old Testament Jews had about Psalm 110 is in the opening line in verse 1. You know, this is a Psalm of David, and he writes, The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. And so David at this time is king of Israel, right? Who on earth could be Lord over the king? Well, I think the answer is right there that it's not someone on earth, right? The Lord says to my Lord, and in the original language that is Yahweh says to my Adonai, okay? And those are two names that we have for God, Yahweh being his name, and then Adonai, another word that we you see in your Bible translated as Lord, but that's referencing God, okay? And so this is God talking to God. Well, for Old Testament Jews, this was, this was something to wrap their minds around. It took 
took a lot of work here. They studied this, and this was something that they looked at as one being prophetic. This is God talking to the Messiah. Okay, so the Messiah will come from God. The Messiah will be God. Um, He says, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. That language there of sitting at my right hand, that's a position of power. Okay, so we see David has this vision here of a conversation between God the Father and the Messiah. And so for the author of Hebrews writing to these Jewish Christians, ones who are considering hiding their faith. Um, You know, he quotes out of this psalm so much because this is one that they have probably spent the most time studying. There's so much in here that they were looking for, for their Messiah. So it would make sense that this is one that the author of Hebrews would use to begin that work of um, cementing their faith in in the person and in the work of Jesus and saying, look, this was the answer to the questions that we have about Psalm 110. So spend some time in this Psalm, look over it, see if you have any more questions that pop up about this Psalm, because guaranteed there's, there's a lot in here that may um, raise your eyebrows a little bit. Okay, that's all we have for this week. So as you go forward in this upcoming week before next Wednesday, um, go ahead and read Hebrews 1 verses 1 through 4. That will be the focus of our time next week. You have um, a few questions of homework to answer as you go through. The homework will help you make observations as you read and help you connect ideas and bring in other scripture references that um, will help you connect ideas and other parts of our Bible to what the, the author of Hebrews is talking about. So, Hebrews 1, 1 through 4, before next week. And again, if you have any questions, reach out to those in the class, reach out to me. Um, I would love to hear from you and happy, happy reading.